Welcome to OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number 50. This episode features Andy Gaspadaric, a principal engineer at Broadcom, where he works as a software architect on the Nix team. We recorded this interview at the DPDK Summit in San Jose back in November. We focus on his team's work on offloading flows to Broadcom Nix. On to the interview. Welcome, everyone, uh, to the show, and here I am today at the DPDK conference in San Jose at Club Autosport, and I am talking to Andy Gospodark from uh, Broadcom. He's a principal engineer there and uh, works as a software architect on the Next team, and uh, do you want to say a little more about yourself before we uh, really uh, jump into our topic for the day? Uh, sure. I'll just uh, mention I've been doing uh, open source work at a uh, variety of places, uh, Red Hat, uh, Cumulus, and now at Broadcom. And, uh, you know, been exposed uh, in some ways to OVS for a while, but this is uh, a treat for me to uh, kind of enter this community in a slightly different uh, slightly different option than I've had before. I think people were, when I was telling people about it, they were like, whoa, there's an OVS podcast, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I'm excited to be here. All right, uh, great. So, uh I I think of uh, open source as something that that sort of come to the um, traditional uh, merchant silicon uh, uh, vendors in the networking space a, a little bit late. Um, and is is that is that accurate? What's your viewpoint of how uh, of how Broadcom has uh, come into uh, open source? Well, I think uh, Broadcom's got a pretty interesting history in open source across a variety of business units. Uh, you know, we have uh, people like Michael Chan who have been working uh, doing driver development. Uh, for a very long time, and uh, Broadcom has recognized the value in having um, Michael contribute and having a, a major contributor, um, someone whose time is essentially mostly devoted to doing uh, open source and upstream driver development. Uh, they, they've recognized that as valuable for a while. Um, I think your statement, though, is probably accurate, that over the last several years we've seen uh, a definite ramp up in the, if nothing else, uh, the pure attendance by a variety of hardware vendors at many open source conferences, whether it's uh, you know something storage related or networking related, um, I, I can obviously speak most to, to networking things, but it's amazing the number of of folks who are not only attending but then also adding to that speaking uh, at these, and I think it's really ramped up in the last uh, several years that the hardware, the merchant, the, the silicon vendors are much more interested. I think lately in being here and being a part of the conversation. Anyway, it's uh, it, it's exciting to me that I've I've had a a much easier time lately uh, uh, talking to, uh, to to vendors. Uh, I had a, a talk a, a little while back with uh, um, with, with a, <clears throat> a vendor of, of switches, uh, Allied uh, Telesis, and and now I, I feel like I'm uh, moving uh, uh, one level uh, closer <laughs> to the silicon uh, uh, talking to you. So uh, tell me about uh, your uh, your work uh, in uh, well uh, hardware uh, offload. Uh, uh, that, that's uh, what you've uh, proposed to, to talk about at OVSCon uh, over the the next uh, couple of days. So how are you and, and Broadcom uh, uh, becoming uh, involved in uh, hardware offload for uh, for software switching and, and, and other uh, matters? Yeah. So over the last uh, couple of years, the hardware we've got out um, has a a flow offload or a flow acceleration engine that's been available 
And for a long time, there's been uh, the discussion about how do we make sure that silicon is used and how do we leverage that uh, to give ourselves the best performance and give our customers the best performance. Um, uh, in particular for OVS uh, use cases, that's been an interesting point, uh, an interesting discussion point, I guess. Um, so I've uh, been at Broadcom for a little over a year, and when I started, uh, there had been an effort underway uh, to determine what would be the best way for us to do a hardware offload of, of flows. And uh, around, around about that time, um, my impression is that the OVS community had been really interested in finding ways to offload, um, or more to the point, hardware vendors had been really interested in talking to the, OV, the open vSwitch community about ways that their hardware could offload flows. Uh, so I, I think that actually does go both ways. Um, uh, for a long time in OVS, uh, we weren't as fast as the, the software could go. And I think some people would argue that that's still true. But uh, on the other hand, there's uh, definitely a lot uh, more to be gained beyond, uh, beyond software now, uh, now that we've come a lot closer to making the software itself as efficient as possible. So I, I, I think it's fair to say that the OVS community and not just the hardware vendor community is interested in acceleration. Yeah, and I, I didn't obviously mean to imply one thing or another, but I think that you know when you've got when when hardware vendors get out there with their hardware that they think has a, a an advantage over someone else's, they want to find as many ways to integrate that that advantage uh, into software. Um, and I think that uh, that's that's probably always been the case. Um, I also think that this has probably become more of the forefront of the last couple of years as. Um, 25, 50, and 100 gig Ethernet has become a reality. You know, it used to be the case where uh, you could fully saturate your network with only a couple cores, and that's not as easy as it used to be. And so for full network, I think, capabilities, we're now seeing more and more cores utilized. Now, of course, we're seeing the number of cores on servers explode as well. But I think there's just an interest in spending less time, uh, less, less CPU cycles, doing those mundane tasks of networking processing when realistically people want to sell time on their servers doing compute. Uh, at least that's my perspective. Uh, <laughs> um, sure. I, I think there's uh, a lot of people who look at these, uh, like these, these cloud vendors, uh, um, you know, your, your, your public clouds and even your private ones, and uh, the, the, the cloud vendors, they want to sell you the... Uh, the the CPU and they don't want to uh, spend the, the the CPU on doing things they can't directly bill for like like networking. That's right. So uh, so the first solution that the, the team I'm on now devised uh, in terms of leveraging some of Broadcom's capabilities um, uh, mid, mid to late last year uh, was they looked at creating um, a, a custom DPIF. Quite frankly, to uh, and they tried to figure out what's the best way that we could leverage the hardware capabilities uh, in a realistic way. And so it might be worth, uh, I, I suspect a lot of listeners don't really know what a DPIF is, so it, it might be worth explaining uh, a little bit more what that, what that means. Sure. Uh, so in our case, what we look to do is to try to find a way that we could plug in in the same way that currently the Linux kernel data path does or DPDK does, uh, but also leverage the capabilities of our hardware. So for example... And, and really, we wanted to think about it as acceleration. So not hardware acceleration or kernel data path. We wanted to think of hardware acceleration and kernel data path. Uh, so what we ended up doing is uh, taking a look, for example, at um, 
a couple different concepts. Um, one of the key ones being that um, I think as uh, I've heard in presentations about OVS before, especially those that are talking specifically about uh, flows, uh, that the, I'm going to try to make sure I get this right, so that um, usually the longer lasting flows, they make up a smaller number of the total flows that are on a system, but they take up the bulk of the data throughput that's used on the system. So for example, we looked at, all right, what could we do to help recognize whether or not a flow should be offloaded? And at the time at which we realized, wow, this is an extremely, um, you know, this is an elephant flow, this is a mega flow, whatever, a cool uh, large word we want to use to describe this flow, this should be offloaded. And so what we ended up doing is this, this uh, custom DPIF we wrote still uses the kernel data path. But at the same time, uh, it statistically says these flows are, are heavy users uh, right now during this time sample. Let's go ahead and also make a special call out to our driver and a, a new um, interface. Our, our driver uh, firmware could, was able to receive the commands to say, okay, go ahead and offload this flow. And, um, and so then we regularly take a look at samples and, and try to figure out which flows that are currently active and currently using a lot of data should be offloaded. Um, so it might be a longer answer than maybe you uh, had requested for, um, you know, what a DPIF is. But the idea is that we wanted to to incorporate uh, the ability to offload to our hardware, in a and, and accelerate our hardware uh, in a, in a sort of statistical way, um, you know, and and still integrate with the normal data path that uh, that that people know how to use and and understand how to use pretty typically with OVS. Right. And so uh, a year ago, uh, if I remember right, uh, OVS didn't really have a, uh, any kind of a built-in concept for this uh, um, ability to, to offload uh, some, of the, uh, some of the flows. Um, but uh, in, the last, in the last year, th there's been a, a new, uh, you might say, a, a framework added for that, if I, if I, if I recall. So uh, how does that uh, fit into the, um, the, 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 whole, uh, the whole scheme or the whole plan? Right. So in, in the time in which we developed this uh, solution um, and actually uh, had customers that began to use it, uh, was right about the same time that Apache started showing up on the mailing list, uh, the first version of the first RFC, to uh, allow offload via TC or the uh, TC offload and, and kind of have this separate hardware offload uh, in, uh, on Linux where the kernel data path would still be used for some flows, but, but other flows could also that could be offloaded um, could, could go through the TC flower interface to offload. And um, so we're kind of stuck in an interesting spot where we'd already done the work to uh, create our, our custom uh, you know, vendor-specific DPIF that I think... Um, at the time of the decision to do it, uh, we were actually pretty hopeful that there would be something that would be accepted uh, by the Open vSwitch community. Um, talk internally went back and forth about whether or not, you know, no one was really positive um, because the, the, the people that did a lot of the work um, were not core Open vSwitch developers. So it wasn't clear, um, you know, the crystal ball wasn't, 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 quite, wasn't, wasn't, quite, wasn't quite crystal, I guess. Uh, so it wasn't clear whether or not that would go in. And we went ahead and um, completed the work and did it, but used it as a model uh, for uh, eventually joining with the community and uh, supporting the ability to offload uh, in the, sort of this dual data path model that currently exists in the Linux kernel, where you can offload uh, flows that are capable, could be offloaded to TC Flower, 
and uh, other flows that were not could stay in the kernel data path. So kind of have the boat. We have sort of the best of both worlds, so to speak. So are, are you, you stuck in anything of a conundrum? The possible distinction that occurs to me is that I think that the existing offloads, you have to choose at the time the flow is added whether you want to offload it. That's right. So it is a bit of a conundrum of sorts. Um, I mean, we're, but more so for us, the, the difference is um, we actually now, amazingly, uh, whether by accident or not, uh, have a solution that can, depending on the version of you know, Linux that you're using or the, the version of Open vSwitch that you might be tied to for your individual uh, distribution uh, for your customers, you can actually choose either solution of ours. Um, so the great thing is we're, we're now have, we have the opportunity to be inbox and upstream. So if we're using kind of the latest and greatest or maybe the latest version uh, that hopefully is in some of the uh, major distributions, you can use the same model that everyone's using upstream. But if you are stuck on something older, um, you have an option. However, uh, I think you bring up a great point that we can't use them both simultaneously, and that is uh, a drawback. Um, but um, we'll take what we can get, I guess. Ah, I see. <laughs> so uh, is is there uh, any thought about uh, trying to, to take the um, the offload interface that's that's in there and then uh, adapting it better to, uh, to to what you think is the uh, the, the right way uh, to do acceleration? Um, I think ultimately the, the solution that, that that we've produced I don't think is drastically different than what ultimately landed upstream. I mean, it, I think there's an opportunity for some for some change, and I think uh, talking to some of the Open vSwitch developers, I think uh, some of whom I think are scheduled to be on a podcast soon or maybe already already recorded, um, uh, I think there's a definite interest uh, in enhancing what's there today because I think there's a recognition that there is room to grow, that the, the current offload implementation uh, or acceleration implementation um, is great for, um, I mean, it, it's, it's great to have something that started. I mean, I think I remember following discussions on the list, and the general idea was that for the, the series to go in that went in, um, it was a, a recognition that this is n- new functionality, maybe still needs a little more work. And there needed to be a commitment from those posting it and those accepting it that 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 work would still happen. And I think there's an interest on our side in contributing to that effort Um, because I I think I think I think there's room for for sort of additional completeness uh, in in the current upstream solution. I I like hearing that. Um, One of the things that I I worry about as a upstream maintainer is that. Um, somebody will come in and dive bomb us with some big bit of a huge piece of code <laughs> and then they'll, they'll they'll pull up and disappear and we'll never hear from them again and uh, we won't be able to maintain it so it's always great to hear people uh, talking about uh, coming along and, uh, and and collaborating and and contributing uh, and, and helping to maintain things well yeah I think it's really important and I think that's something the I've been uh, a part of enough groups who don't understand the frustration from folks in the community, you know, when, when they, when someone who's not necessarily uh, entrenched and well-known in a community comes in and drops patches that, you know, they've tested and they know they work well. Um, they get really irritated when those patches aren't immediately accepted. And, and I think it's a, I think it's something that we have to, we as a community, you know, whether you're involved in the community directly or not, if you're a, person with community experience you need to be able to explain to somebody 
look, your code might not go in right away, you know, uh, and, and uh, I think we recognize that, um, that, that concern of yours. It's, it's legit. Yeah, um, and sometimes I feel like we give new contributors a little too much of a hard time, but uh, on the other hand, when someone has spent a few months going through several iterations, that by itself uh, demonstrates a, a, a bit of a, a commitment there uh, to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would completely agree. I would completely agree. Uh, there's there's probably always room for uh, for improvement on both sides, um, whether you're a new contributor or whether you're uh, a maintainer. Um, but I, as far as I can tell, it, it seems like uh, the Open vSwitch community is pretty healthy. We, um, we do our best. So, so uh, let's see. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the exact status of the Broadcom patches is. Um, they've been posted a few, they've gone through a few iterations, is that uh, right? They're integrated, well, uh, the patches to follow sort of the upstream uh, offload example, those are accepted to the Linux kernel. Uh, they're there. Uh, we've tested them uh, with upstream open vSwitch, uh, works as expected. Uh, we've actually done the work, uh, although it wasn't very much because a lot of it was already done, to integrate it with some of the other tools. So integration with OpenStack should all be there. Um, so it's pretty much, in our opinion, it's ready to go. Um, now there might be a couple, a couple issues uh, that we don't know about, of course. Uh, that um, always happens. Yeah. As, as expected, right. Um, it, unfortunately, it always does. Uh, but yeah, it's it's upstream in the Linux kernel, and uh, it we think there's a, a pretty good chance it's going to make its way down into the the, the major distros uh, pretty pretty soon here. Let's say that. Okay, so uh, the the patches on the kernel side are are in. Um, are there patches on the Open vSwitch side that, that need to go in, or does it just use the interface that's already supported? It uses the interface that's already supported. We were able to completely pivot to that. Uh, and so we feel like there shouldn't be, um, as far as I know, uh, any additional work that's needed. That's uh, really satisfying uh, <laughs> from from my point of view. It, it means that uh, the uh, the upstream, the, the kernel work, and the the user space work must have uh, uh, must have been t- done right or, or right enough uh, the the first time. Uh, if you can get a you know a second vendor in <laughs> and it still works, right? I, I think I think you're right. It was uh, actually. Uh, somewhat hilarious. Uh, we had a discussion internally, and um, I was asking somebody. I said, "Hey, we want to push this stuff upstream. You know, how how's it going? How close are you?" Uh, because I have to be clear, um, I I cannot take any credit for doing any of the actual code movement. Uh, that was all done uh, by someone else. Uh, and and I asked this person. I said, "How's it going? You know, are you close?" And he said, um, "You know what?" He's like, "I got it done." He's like, "I tested it at the kernel layer." He said, "I fired up Obvious." Uh, and he's like, and believe it or not, it worked. And uh, I was like, really? I was like, why do you sound so surprised? And he was like, well, you know, you, he's like, I've been doing this long enough. I regularly find problems. Uh, he's like, but um, in short order, it was it was up and operational. And he was, I mean, I could, I could feel the excitement in his voice. Um, I mean, he was really wasn't in the same room with him, but uh, he was really excited. And I, I was happy. I was happy too. I think you should definitely feel validated that the the option that came, the solution that was created uh, upstream in the community, um, 
is now applicable to multiple vendors. Uh, and that's that's awesome. All right, that's that's great. So uh, we we've talked about the the Linux kernel uh, data path uh, um, side of this. So um, we're at the DPDK conference today. So uh, one of the questions that comes to mind is: Are there plans for uh, some sort of related acceleration that would uh, that would happen in the the DPDK data path? Or, or is that on the table? Uh, I think it's not off the table. Um, I don't know if we've what we've done in terms to commit resources to it yet. Um, I know that uh, our uh, DPDK implementation for our uh, 10, 25, 50 uh, gig NICs is uh, upstream, and actually the maintainer's here today. Uh, and he's been working really hard to uh, close the gap and make sure that all of the, um, the different RTE ops are available on uh, the BNXT uh, DPDK pull mode driver. Um, I think he just finished uh, working on some of the um, flow work um, to the, the sort of flow match uh, operations that are there now. Uh, I think there's an interest in doing the offload, but uh, I don't know what I don't know what his schedule is yet. Um, I know that we um, we are hearing requests for it, and so I think uh, that's always uh, a good sign, uh, and I think that's always a good indicator that the chances are strong that there'll be some contribution that happens at some point because even though uh, OVS with DPDK is a, pr- a pretty amazingly optimal solution, I think there's still people that want to squeeze uh, a little bit more acceleration out from time to time uh, and save save a few more uh, instructions. Um, Absolutely. So uh, what I find uh, interesting about uh, applying this to DPDK <clears throat> is really the uh, what I think of as the the Linux ABI problem. The the Linux networking stack, its ABI was defined a long time ago. Um, you can o- always add things, but you can't really take things away. On, on the other hand, there's a um, there's not nearly the same sort of frozen ABI between uh, Open vSwitch and its and its DPDK uh, interface. Those those can change much more fluidly and. And so there may be optimization possibilities for OVS plus DPDK that just are impractical uh, if, if you wanted to go through a, a kernel interface. That's extremely interesting. I, I mean, I think you're right. There, there, are, there is that, that big advantage. Um, uh, although, I guess there's always that case of you, you hope you get it pretty close to right the first time so that, uh, you know, there's not too much deployed that's then um, harder to manage. I, I don't... Um, I know there's been some discussion about, you know, how, you know, is there a need to stabilize some of the ABI? Is there a need to be a, a more stable um, API for Pomo drivers, for example? And I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't yet have any religion on that as to whether or not it's a great idea. But I think, uh, I think that you're right. There is, there's definitely an opportunity uh, for, for that, um, for both of those to grow, maybe in a quicker way. So um, here, this may be a little bit off topic, but when I, I talk to uh, networking vendors, it, it always seems like they have uh, so many things for so many operating systems that they must be maintaining an almost infinite amount of software. Uh, is, does, do you see uh, a, a problems working internally just uh, at, at Broadcom just because there, there's so much stuff that needs to ma- be maintained, um, or, or am I just uh, imagining problems? Well, I think you're... Your assessment that there are a lot of people doing a lot of work on a lot of different OSs is completely, that's accurate. I mean, there are most of the places that I, that I talk to, uh, again, kind of if you, if you read the tea leaves and look at how many people are showing up at, at conferences from these different vendors, and, and you figure most of them are developers, especially when you start talking to them and you realize their in-depth knowledge, 
Uh, yeah, there's a there's a ton of uh, there are a ton of people out there uh, inside companies. I think you know I can't speak to very many other companies in terms of how they're organized or or whatnot. Um, I think we do a pretty good job of communicating uh, between. Um, our main DPDK developer, uh, Ajit, for example, or Michael, who does the main driver development, um, and the, the team that maintains the firmware, which is kind of the common piece between the two. Um, and I think, you know, if you've got a, 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 a well, a reasonably well-run firmware team that keeps a pretty standard um, ABI in place or or an API version that's at least trackable, um, or if you've got a, a an ASIC that's taped out and really isn't going to change, um, I think... Uh, I think that's kind of the the glue that can tie everything together, and everything else um, kind of comes through that. And you know, if you've got um, ABI interfaces that change from above, you know, in the case of OVS or DPDK, and um, keeping up with those, as long as you have a relatively stable uh, you know firmware or register set that you're writing to, I think it's not too bad. Um, but my experience at a hardware vendor is pretty limited. Uh, mm-hmm. I've only been I've only had the the uh, the pleasure of working at one for a little over a year. It was actually one of the things that, that drew me to the position at Broadcom is that I had been at distro vendors for uh, a decade and never really got the opportunity to work in depth with the hardware like I'd hoped. And uh, so I'm getting to see some of that firsthand. Uh, and that's, uh, it's been really fun. Um, and so far it's been good. So glad to hear that. Uh, so uh, what what what's next? Uh, presumably, uh, what uh, you you've uh, done already isn't the the end to the uh, uh, hardware uh, offload story or, or the uh, OVS story. That's right. Uh, so the next thing for us, uh, and I'm actually talking about uh, this at the OVS conference uh, on Friday, uh, is that we're actually Broadcom has a um, like many vendors I think do now. Uh, um, Broadcom has a new SmartNIC product coming out that uh, basically gives you the opportunity to have sort of another server inside your server. So uh, in our case, um, it's an ARM uh, V8-based system that uh, has the same um, uh, networking logic that we have in our standard NIC, but it's comp- it can be completely controlled, if you'd like, by these eight ARM cores that are running on a single PCI card inside your system. So the cool thing about this is that you end up uh, being able to have OVS, if you'd like, completely offloaded to your NIC. And I don't mean accelerated, I mean fully offloaded. Uh, my talk on, on Friday is going to talk a little bit about the fact that I literally have this running and we have uh, no open vSwitch tools at all installed on the server itself. So you plug in a card, you create VFs, and if you'd like, all of your open vSwitch forwarding can be done completely on your NIC. So we feel like this provides a really nice isolation for a variety of use cases, um, as well as can save you CPU cores. That's uh, really exciting. Uh, there's a, a few of these uh, smart necks uh, that are uh, in the market or, right. or, or coming out, um, and we, we've had a chance to, to play with some of them uh, at, at, uh, at VMware recently. Uh, it, it seems like they, they have a, a lot of potential. From our point of view, it's, it's ideal when we can run our existing software and tweak it in the ways uh, that we're uh, already uh, accustomed to. Uh, it, it feels like there's less need for adaptation uh, to the, the, the foibles of, of hardware. Um, one of the questions we have, though, is um, how, how much of that is um, 
is illusory, I guess. Uh, um, can uh, can can you actually uh, run uh, unmodified, uh, say, controllers and and so on, or are there sort of limits that you you tend to hit uh, because uh, you're you, you don't expect uh, the the hardware doesn't work exactly as you expect? Well, my goal is to make it so that you can run everything that there isn't anything. I mean, we're currently like on the board I have right now. We run a upstream kernel. Uh, with just a couple patches, uh, the only difference being that uh, those patches will hit hit the list at some point soon. Uh, they're just a matter of uh, you know sort of flushing out the final details of a of a of a new product. Uh, but you'll be able to run the same driver. Uh, you should be able to run all the same tools. Uh, I, I think I hear what you're saying about you know being concerned about you know knowing the, like the different limitations that might exist. Um, our goal for the product. Um, and I, th- I think we're on track with this, is for you to really not notice the difference, for you to really not feel. It's going to have a little bit of a different look and feel because, you know, now you might see, you know, there's a little bit of forwarding that's going to happen. Um, for example, uh, you might, you know, as you, as you bring up a device, you only have visibility into, the two, into two PFs, for example. Well, if you bring up on your, your, your server, let's say it's an x86 system, you bring it up, you're also going to see two PFs. Well, those any traffic that's sent on both of those ports is actually switched either to the other PFs on the ARM system or, for example, out of the, the ports that are actually out of the box. So there's like a small nuance there that um, at initial configuration, it might feel a little different uh, because you've suddenly got this bus with these extra devices on it and they can communicate. But but overall, I, my, my personal goal is to get it to the point where... Uh, popular Linux distributions can be run on these things. And you don't need to get a distribution from Broadcom. You get a distribution from whoever you want, or you roll your own. Uh, or you roll your own distribution right on it. So that's that's sort of my personal goal. Um, we'll see how that all works out. That's uh, really exciting. And I'm uh, uh, look, looking forward to, to seeing uh, how, how it goes. Uh, um, I, I've, uh, I, I feel like there's a, a lot of interest in this uh, the, the, this kind of a, a setup. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I think that's our, our hope, you know, that not only um, uh, software providers and, and, and coders will have an interest, but, but also, obviously, uh, you know, those building data centers and those, those, in help, those enabling those who help build data centers. Uh, we, we're, hoping, we're hoping this kind of functionality resonates with them. I think it will. Um, we'll we'll have to see, of course. Right. Uh, so uh, let let's see. Uh, we've we've talked about the uh, hardware offload functionality that uh, is already available in the Linux kernel. We've talked about uh, what you're uh, working on uh, for the next generation. Um, what uh, is there anything that I've that I've missed? Uh, questions that I should have asked, or or things that we should have talked about? I'm sure that's a big category, but, <laughs> but anything that comes uh, comes right to mind. Um, no. Unfortunately, probably not. Um, uh, this is, um, yeah, for me personally, it's kind of the, the end of a pretty long, or kind of near, near the end of a, of a pretty long two-week cycle. I spent uh, some time in South Korea last week. Uh, oh, for, were you at the net, NetDev for conference? NetConf and NetDev uh, for a week, right? And then um, have uh, been uh, in the Bay Area uh, since then and had a great trip so far. But, um, uh you know, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to, you know, continuing to see people at conferences and meet people and put faces with names because, you know, we spend so much time on the mailing list just seeing names. Uh, and 
as we were sort of joking before this, um, uh, maybe not joking, maybe that's the wrong word, but as we were saying before this, you know, wondering at times how to pronounce names. Um, uh, I, I know I have that, that issue sometimes. Um, I do too. And yeah, <laughs> so, so putting faces and names together has been really fun. Uh, but, uh, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm looking forward to the holiday season uh, in the United States. So. <laughs> I think. I, me too. I, I was uh, in in Sydney uh, uh, all last week. Uh, okay, so you traveled as well. OpenStack Summit. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're we're probably off about the same number of times on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Only, only your trip was a little bit lo- longer than mine. So. <laughs> oh, uh, w- one last thing. So, uh, w- what's the best way for for people to ca- catch up with you? Oh, um, probably the best way, uh, I'm uh, just Gospo, G-O-S-P-O, uh, on Twitter. Um, apparently, I created my account long enough ago that uh, I still could have created a, a, five, a five-character name. I don't, I don't think that's possible anymore, So, uh, though luckily, I don't think it's valuable, so uh, no, no reason to try to get rid of it. Um, but yeah, you can hit me up there if you have any questions or thoughts. Um, but I just want to say thank you for having me on, on today. It's been fun. And uh, uh, thanks for for coming on and talking about this. I'm sure that the listeners will be interested. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. OBS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org. Or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.